everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Priyanka, and this is the Supply Chain Scoop, your midweek source of refreshing supply chain content and stories straight from titans in the industry. It feels like my past few years in supply chain have culminated to this very day. I'm in conversation with the Brad Jacobs, chairman and CEO of XPO Logistics. Brad was the biggest outsider in the logistics industry in 2011. And fast forward to now in 2018, he's not only the biggest insider, but has truly changed the face of the industry in just the past seven years he's been in it. While most 3PLs and logistics companies are headed up by industry veterans who've lived and breathed logistics their entire lives, Brad just casually walked in seven years ago with past experiences in wildly unrelated spaces such as construction equipment, waste collection, and oil trading, and went on to own the logistics industry like nobody's business anyway. A lot of XPO's success stems from a series of successful acquisitions, which is where Brad comes in with a wealth of background. There are a lot of exciting developments in the logistics space, which is over a $1 trillion industry, and my excitement is absolutely over the roof because I have just so many questions for Brad, and I'm about to get his absolute undivided attention over the next half hour. So let's just get on. Hi there, Brett. Thank you so much for taking out the time to speak with me. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. Thank you, Priyanka. Could we start with a little bit of an introduction to yourself, just because you're the jack of so many trades, Brad? Sure. You know, when I was listening to your opening there, the one point that you made about all these different industries I've been are unrelated, uh, that's on one level true. On a deeper level, they're all connected, because if you look at all the businesses that I've started and run and built, what they have in common is... Logistics, we're moving things, we're moving oil, uh, we're picking up waste, we were moving construction equipment, and, and now we're moving goods to the supply chain for our customers. And that's really what I've emphasized in my career. I am a career CEO. It's the only job I've had since I've been 23 years old. And <laughs> I guess my, my claims to fame are that I started five businesses from scratch and built each one of them with great teams to billion or multi-billion dollar sizes. They were all very successful, uh, well-run businesses. And over the course of my uh, career, uh, the teams that I've led have completed over 500 acquisitions and wow. we've done over $20 billion of financing. So if, if you look at the chunks of my career, the first 10 years, starting in 79, was, was in oil, was in energy. And the first company I built was a company called Amorex, and it became either the first or second largest oil brokerage firm, depending on how you count it. We built it up to about $4.7 billion in brokerage volume. And then after four years, I sold it, and I moved to London, and I started an oil trading company. And I had very close relationships with the major oil companies, which at the time were called the Seven Sisters. They consolidated, not seven anymore. And then I moved back to the States in 89, and I formed what ultimately became the fifth largest waste management company called United Waste Systems. And this was the first time I took a company public. I've had three public companies and two private ones. And from the time we took it public in 1992 till the time we sold it in 1997, uh, and I sold it to Waste Management, which, who was the industry leader for about $2.5 billion, we had a 55% compounded annual growth rate on the earnings, and the stock price outperformed the S&P by 5.6 times. So I became a kind of darling of Wall Street and only because I made money for investors. And I parlayed that into starting another company called United Rentals in 1997. And I ran that for 10 years. 
And we became the largest equipment rental company, it still is, and we outperformed the S&P by 2.2x during that time. And that brings us to today. Today, um, I'm proud that XPO Logistics is one of the top 10 logistics companies in the world, and we'll do about $17.5 billion of revenue this year. And our mission is to help customers move goods most efficiently through their supply chain, whether that's by intermodal or by expedite or by truck or in the warehouse. So we're leaders in logistics. We're the second biggest logistics company in the world after DHL, and we're leaders in transportation as well. That brings me to today. Wow, there you go. That is absolutely amazing. It sounds like you have a little bit of a Midas golden touch, don't you? <laughs> and it all just sounds to me like you. I, I have a lot of good luck, Priyanka, and I've been okay. surrounded by fantastic people. That's well, I think luck only supports the brave. So I, I think it's a tad bit more than luck, but this just sounds completely fantastic. It also sounds like you've got a little bit of foresight uh, or a crystal ball because, uh, you know, one of the next things that I wanted to ask you was what is similar between a construction company, a trash collection company, an oil trading company, and logistics? Uh, and I know that you've said, uh, you know, you are essentially moving stuff regardless of which business you're in, uh, but how did you decide in 2011 that this is now what you want to do? Well, I, when in 2011, I had been already looking at different industries where I could apply the skill sets that I had honed over the years. And I was looking for industries that were big, that had size to them, that scale, and that restricted the number of industries that I could look at, and industries that were still fragmented, so I could do consolidation, mm -hmm. and ones that were growing on their own more than GDP. And where the, I could come up with a business plan that came down to execution, and that came down to organizing people, getting the right organizational chart globally, getting the right people organized in that organization chart, motivating them correctly from a culture point of view, from a compensation point of view, getting the team culture where people respect each other, people trust each other, and, people, and a very collegial atmosphere. And that's the thread in all the different companies that I've built, and it's, it's emblematic of what we have here at XPO Logistics, too. We have, a very high, we have almost 100,000 people in 32 countries, and the level of employee satisfaction is very, very high. Wow, that scale is just completely insane, and it's just really hard for me to even fathom. Um, you know, you're obviously the poster child of successful acquisitions, even from your past life, from all of these various companies that you've headed up. Within logistics, that just wasn't the norm uh, when you stepped in in 2011, and yet you've made 17 successful acquisitions in just about four or five years. So obviously, there's a thing or two that you actually know about this. What are some of the key things that you look for when you're considering an acquisition? Well, in all the 500 acquisitions that we've done over the years in different industries, the key features are the same. First of all, you want to like the people. There's a, there's a direct correlation between if you like the people that come with the acquisition and the success of the acquisition later. You don't want to buy a company that's toxic, that's down, that's negative. That's, you want to buy a company that's alive and energetic, and then once they're part of our organization, we can build on that and bring it to an even higher level. So we look for really exciting companies, really successful companies that we can make even more successful when we bring into our company. We want to look for things that are synergistic to what we do. So here at XPO, I'm back on the acquisition trail. I took a hiatus for two or three years after we bought Norbert Dantasangel in Europe. We bought Conway here. I wanted to integrate and digest them really thoroughly, which we've done now. And now we're back on the acquisition trail for the last year or so. And the main thing that we're looking for are, number one, companies that are not for sale. So generally, we don't mm -hmm. buy companies that are for sale. Generally, we don't participate in 
processes or auctions where there's a bank and there's multiple buyers. We try to find companies that are not for sale, but we think would be great companies, and we develop trust and rapport with those companies and see what the synergies would look like. And that, that's the main thing we look for is the synergies. How can one plus one equal more than two? I absolutely love the part that you said that you're looking for companies that are not up for sale because I suppose those are the ones that are doing well just on their own and are secure in what it is that they do. You just mentioned that you're going to be on a little bit of a buying spree again. So what sorts of companies are you looking for? What do you have your eye on? I'm looking for companies that have long-term contractual relationships with customers. We very much like recurring revenue. Mm -hmm. We like predictability. We like to know that it's not... Revenue is going to come and go, but it's revenue is going to continue for long periods of time because there's deep relationship with customers. So you look at the companies that we bought. The, the, the thing they have in common is they had great relationships prior to us buying them with great companies that went back 10 years, 20 years, in some cases 30 years. And then we could build on those relationships by cross-selling other services that we have and that we could bring the benefits of the deep investment we make in technology to make more cost-effective solutions for our customers. So does this mean that startups that make a lot of noise, in the press at least, for whatever reason, you know, it may be that they've got a really popular investor or just that they have got unicorn status or whatever, wouldn't be the kinds of companies that you would be interested in because they probably can't display long-term revenue or the predictability by the nature of the fact that they are new? Well, first of all, I have a lot of respect for the VC-backed startups in, in our industry and in other industries right now. I follow it fairly closely, and I think a lot of companies are doing some really great ideas and got a lot of promising vision. I look at XPO Logistics as a startup, though. I look at us as a $17 billion startup, and we run the culture with the same kind of excitement and energy and agility and flexibility and dynamism as the company that's being created in someone's garage. And that's the culture that we want to keep as we go from $17 billion to $34 billion to $68 billion. Over the years, we're going to build a very, very large company. And we look at our company today as embryonic. We're still on the ground floor of what we're going to create. So that means maybe, just depending on what the DNA of that company is. Moving on to some of the trends in logistics, autonomous trucks is something that everyone talks about. I think you mentioned it last year as well, that there will be fully autonomous trucks within a decade. Does that still stand? Do you still think that we're within a decade of them being ubiquitous and commercially common? And then also, what impact do you think that will have on the business? I do. I, I think that automation in general and artificial intelligence specifically are the dominant themes for technology and logistics. And we're spending roughly half a billion dollars a year in technology investments and innovation, and everything that's to do with automation and with artificial intelligence takes lead. So when I look at autonomous vehicles, that's not in the running for the next couple of years. That's something that's going to take five or ten years to become more and more uh, to overcome the regulatory and safety issues, but they will because they hold such promise for making society more efficient, and, and that's the direction of, of where we're going. The kinds of things that we're focusing on on technology are things that in the here and now, today, can help us fulfill our mission. And that mission is to provide cost-effective, efficient solutions to our customers to make their supply chains work better. And those kind of things are like robots. We call them cobots, not robots, because they're collaborative. They don't replace people. They augment people. They make people in our warehouse, for example, have easier jobs. So our workers in our warehouses 
who work side by side with our cobots uh, walk less, they lift less, they get injured less. So the cobots are improving speed, they're improving accuracy, they're improving safety. And we're in the middle of rolling out about 5,000 cobots from one particular uh, manufacturer in India. And our initial beta testing is showing four times improvement in efficiency. The pick oh, rates wow. are four times what they were without the cobots in there. That's so really, really exciting. And then in LTL, in our less than truckload division, we announced yesterday four categories of, of technology innovations that we expect to improve our operating income by $100 million over the next couple of years. And in brief, those four categories are AI-based load building tools. So the right freight is loaded in the optimal trailer and in the optimal place in the trailer. Hmm. And this minimizes its damages and maximizes efficiency for the flow of freight. Then the second category of technology innovation that we announced was advanced line haul algorithms so that we can create more direct loads, more pures, and eliminate wasted miles and empty miles. And then the third category of technology innovation we announced in LTL were pricing algorithms using machine learning so that we can predict pricing elasticity. And this is something that the hotel industry, the airline industry, is light years ahead of us in transportation, and it's about time we caught up with them, and we're, we're committed to doing that. And then the fourth category of technology in LTL that we announced yesterday was dynamic route optimization for pickup and delivery. So this is something that's more like in cars, you have Waze, you have Google Maps, where it's constantly changing based on traffic patterns. And if you look at one of my old industries that I was in, waste management, they're also way ahead of us, where the garbage truck today is so technologically advanced in terms of changing the route all day long to make it more efficient based on the traffic and based on how their day is going. And that helps to, to decrease costs, and that can be passed along to the consumer. And then the, the other area that I want to mention in respect in response to your question is we recently rolled out a new uh, machine learning AI-based labor planning tool, and we rolled it out to 225 of our largest logistics facilities. And we've already found savings in labor using this tool between 2% and 5%. Now, you might say, well, 2%, 5%, what's that? But you're talking to someone who has over $6 billion of labor costs worldwide, so 2%, 5% definitely gets my attention. So that gives you a flavor of the kinds of things that we're spending our half a billion dollars or so a year on technology. It's things that can really help our customers in the here and now. That sounds amazing. Also, I absolutely love the term cobots. Uh, have you guys trademarked that? Because I can see that really catching on. You know, you know, I don't know whether we made it up or not, or we just heard it and started using it all the time. So I don't know whether we can trademark it, but I like the term because it really explains it very clearly. And it's, it's less syllables than collaborative robot. <laughs> in general, we want to be efficient. Well, there you go. That's just how you run the company, and that's just how you talk, isn't it? <laughs> Good stuff. Exactly. So, I mean, it, you know, I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit more on the warehouse uh, automation. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how that's going to cut down human labor in the warehouse, and I know you've alluded to this before, that the technology is not there to replace humans, but to actually help them or aid them along. But, you know, there's just a larger industry fear that technology is going to completely replace humans. Just what is your thinking around that, both as an individual and as a company? I don't think technology is going to replace humans. It's always going to be work that the, the human brain, with its 100 billion brain cells and trillions of synaptic connections, and the empathy that we have from having mirror neurons in our prefrontal cortex, there's going to be things that we bring to the table as, as a human race that's got billions of years of evolution behind us that computers are not going to be able to do. On the other hand, at the same time, there's going to be things that computers can do in terms of memory processing that 
humans just can't do. And there's also going to be things physically that technology can do that we don't want our humans doing because it's more safe for a robot to do that, a machine to do that, a robotic arm to do that, than it is for a human to be doing that. So it's going to help. Technology is going to help make the workplace more safe, more efficient, and more enjoyable, and more knowledgeable and, and effective. So technology is our friend. It's not to be feared. It's definitely our friend. And here at XPO Logistics, we're embracing technology. We're investing heavily in technology because we think that the companies that are avant-garde, that are on the cutting edge of technology, are the companies that are going to succeed. And the companies that aren't are going to be left behind. Right on. I trust you. <laughs> sounds fantastic. Sounds absolutely fantastic, Brad. There's yet another thing that I'm really keen to talk about, uh, and that's blockchain. I was at a conference yesterday. It wasn't even a blockchain conference, yet it just seemed to me like that was coming up in every single conversation that had to do with logistics. So there's obviously a lot of buzz around the technology. What are your thoughts on it, and specifically its application in logistics? So I think blockchain has huge potential, but it's not something that we can bring to our customers this year or next year and show them P&L improvement. It's, it's still a few ways off. There's still a lot, it's still an embryonic stage. At the same time, our XPO Connect platform accomplishes a lot of the things that blockchain is, is predicted to accomplish in the future. So blockchain will be a good addition to the digital platform that we're aggressively building out for our carriers and our customers called XPO Connect. And XPO Connect is a digital freight marketplace. And I made a comment on our earnings call yesterday. It didn't get much coverage, but it really should have. I thought it was the most important sentence of the call, which was, over one half, more than 50% of our brokerage volumes today are being done electronically as opposed to by humans picking up a phone and calling somebody. So it's direct through our, our platform that we call XPO Connect. And we rolled it out about six months ago, completely from scratch. Mm-hmm. It was very well designed over a period of a few years. And we went from zero carriers on the base, day one, to 6,000 carriers who had opted in within three months And then in the last three months since then, we've more than doubled it again. We have 13,000 of our core carriers on XPO Connect. And then last week, we put out another announcement that didn't get a lot of publicity yet, but I'm sure it will over time. It's a new counter offer feature so that on XPO Connect, you can can negotiate over, over the Internet with a computer. And this, to me, is so exciting because it's where the... The future is going in commercial negotiations, not just in transportation, but in general in industry. It's machine learning to automatically negotiate with carriers based on real-time supply and demand in the here and now. And this AI-based conversation with a carrier is, is a great example of many things in the future in many industries that are now done by two humans talking to each other that can be done more effectively by uh, technology assisting us. That sounds fantastic, and it also reduces the need for annoying someone because you just don't agree. In your mind, Brad, what does the logistics industry look like 10 years from now? Very different than it looks right now. So many things will be automated. Technology will be pervasive throughout the supply chain, be much more efficient. The industry will be much, much more efficient. Today, we're, I mean, we're all so proud of the progress we've made, but you know, to step back and just be humble and objective about it, the industry as a whole, we're still unadvanced in many, many different ways. Just look at all the trucks here in, in the United States. We have about 3 million or so trucks on the road at any one point in time, and about a quarter of them are empty. And even the ones who aren't empty, 
they're not full. So there's a lot of empty miles and there's a lot of underutilized trailers. And even looking for the environment, all the emissions that are happening, they're unnecessary. That's all going to change. Ten years from now, you'll see so much information from the supplier side and from the capacity side. And the 3PL connecting all of that on a technology-enabled basis of that network, that the efficiency of moving goods to the supply chain will be so much greater than it is today. And the cost to the economy will be much less. So I'm very optimistic about transportation and logistics 10 years from now. And it's a really exciting time to be in the industry and to be a participant, to be a catalyst for that kind of change. You walked in seven years ago, and I think even just in the past seven years, it looked different. Just as an analyst of the industry, as someone that has sort of a bird's eye view and what's going on, it seems to me that ever since you started consolidating companies into XPO, it just has become a trend uh, within the industry as well to look out and acquire companies. I also had another question, Brad. So, As you know, there's a lot of consolidation happening in logistics. Similarly, when it comes to retail and manufacturing, there's a lot happening there as well in terms of shippers collaborating with each other for their logistics needs. How do you think that's going to progress and what is that going to mean for their individual relationships with logistics providers? Well, the main trend in retail, of course, is the increasing migration to e-commerce versus doing it bricks and mortar. Mm -hmm. But bricks and mortar is not going to go away. There's still an experience of, of that's valued by going into a bricks and mortar location, but the convenience and the efficiency of buying things on retail e-commerce will increase the omnichannel distribution vertical quite a bit. It's one of our biggest verticals. Reverse logistics, returns management is one of our fastest growing parts of our whole company. We're now moving 170 million units a year. It's really it's phenomenal the amount of things that people buy and then return, and we're happy to be a catalyst to enable that return. So I think the face of retail is changing, and logistics plays a big role in that because all these things have to be delivered, they've got to be processed, and they've got to be returned. So that's a big part of our business. We want want to participate in that. Right. I'm also curious to know when you mentioned that when you were looking into what industry you want to tap in all those years ago, you were looking at, at an industry that was growing on its own organically and was quite successful and had room for disruption and consolidation. I just wonder if it wasn't logistics, what would your plan B have been? Well, I was restricted to looking at industries that had big swaths of GDP because I you know I want to create big companies. So I, I can't create big companies if the industry is small. So I looked at education, I looked at defense, I looked at healthcare, and one one by one I settled it down to transportation and logistics because this is a sizable industry. Depending on how you define it, it's two or three trillion dollars in size. It's still very fragmented. There still is no industry leader on a global basis. There's mm-hmm. not even a company that's got a hundred billion dollars of revenue yet in an industry that's got two three trillion dollars of size. So this is a good industry to you can really sink your teeth into and accomplish something big. Right. Uh, And then finally, a question that I suppose I'm personally very interested to know is, what drives you? You've, You've just done so many different things. What is the first thought when you wake up? Well, what drives me is people. I love people. I love working with great people. I love learning from people. I'm still studying the world and studying the world of business, and I like connecting with people. And the first thing that I look up within the first 15 minutes, I go on to our, we have an app that Facebook designed for us. It's called Workplace. It was previously called Facebook at Work, and it's customized. And 
only XPO Logistics employees are on it, and I, I just love to see what's going on in the 32 countries that we operate and in the tens of thousands of employees and what are their successes and what customer wins are we getting and who's, who's achieved great things. And that's, to me, that's a very heartwarming experience to wake up and connect with all of our employees around the world. Oh, bless. That sounds absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Brad. I enjoyed this conversation a lot and a lot of room for thought for a lot of people that are going to be listening to this. So I really do appreciate you taking out the time to speak with me. Thank you, Priyanka. I appreciate it very much.